How many of you really believe that his promises are yes and amen? Now that was about the most pitiful response to the faithfulness of God and and his yes and amen. So how many of you really believe that God is faithful? And that he answers his promises with yes and amen. Amen Amen means so be it. And when you read a promise in the word of God, he wrote it, he knows it's there. So his answer to the promise is already yes and amen. Sometimes we have to discover, but how many of you know he doesn't have to discover his promises? He already knows them. Happy Father's Day, men. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. It is, uh, I, I am so thankful for each of you dads, um, men in general. I believe that as God begins to do a, a, a move, as a move of God begins to, to happen, he's going to be working really big time in men's hearts. Um. I think we'll know when, as a nation, we're seeing a move. I think God is already, I think, I think Harvest Community Church is a movement. I don't think Harvest Community Church is just us doing Christianity the way it's done. I think it, I, I truly believe it's a movement that is changing people's lives, families, our community. Um, and I think we will see that on a bigger level as, as fathers' hearts are restored back to their children. That is that's that is a move that that I long for is to see the father's hearts moved toward their children and to see daddies once again in the home, sticking it out in the home, staying in the home, praying, standing in the gap, filling in the gap, laying hands on their kids, laying hands on their wives for prayer. Hello. Um, I, I'm looking forward to that. Happy Father's Day. My dad is not here. He's at home. And when I say he's at home, I don't mean he's at home down the road. He's at home with the Lord. Uh, a few years ago, he went there to be with the Lord, and I would never, ever want him back here again. Um, he He's experiencing walking not the way we walk with the Lord here, but he's actually there with, with him, and, and I can see him probably hanging out with David and He's probably golfing with with Daniel and Jeremiah. I'm, that would be my would be my guess. Um, but um, I miss him. But I would never have him back here again. I just look forward to being there one day. Turn with me to the Book of Psalm Psalms. If you'll turn to the ninety first Psalm, <clears throat> we're talking about the faithfulness of God. Faithful you are. Faithful you will always be. His promises, his answer to his promises is yes and amen. There's probably no other passage of scripture, um, any, any. I mean, there, there are lots, but in, chalked more full of promises than, than Psalm 91. I made the mistake in the early service of trying to preach the whole psalm. And I ran, I say out of time, when I say out of time, I mean, I was like 15 minutes over. Of course, I can't do that. Um, 
in this service. And so I was like, what in the world am I going to do? And so Chris, uh, I was talking to Chris later, and she said, um, let me give you, throw out an idea for you. She said, you, you focused ma mainly on the two verses. She said, just read those, and then you can preach the rest of the psalm next week. And I said, that's why you get paid the big bucks right there. Um, so I want to look at Psalm 91, the first two verses. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will, res will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The psalmist says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This passage is, a, is conditional. All the promises that will follow that you can read it from home and that we may talk about later next week, but all the promises that follow are all conditional upon one thing, and that is this: these promises are experienced by dwellers, people who dwell in the shelter of the Lord. I, li I like the King James wording on this. The King James Version words this as the secret place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I like that wording, secret place, because sometimes in our society, in our culture, when we think of shelter, we think of, of a place where you just go to stay a little while, uh, such as maybe you would there's a hurricane coming in or maybe there's a flood so you go to a place where you find some shelter for a little while and then you leave but this shelter is a place where you live this is an abiding place this is a place where we live so how do we and i don't want to take up a lot of time with this but but i want for some of you to give you just a little bit of understanding you may say but bud Okay, uh, think about this. I thought we were already. He says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Um, he who dwells in the secret place. Well, I thought we dwelled in the Lord. And so how do we reconcile that? Well, this is, this is, old, this is the Old Covenant part of our writing then. But the promises don't change. And so the fact is, in the Old Testament, dwelling was different than now because the secret place now is that we are hidden in God with Christ. Colossians 3 3. We are in God with Christ. When you died, your old sin, when you died, you were hidden in God with Christ. Christ is in you, you are in Him. So we already dwell. We are already, every, per, every born again person is already in dwelling in this shelter. But how many of you know that you can dwell in a shelter? and not experience being the blessings of being a dweller. Anybody with me on that? You can live, you can dwell there, but not experience the blessings. Let's look at it like this. We've got two married couples. Here's a married couple, and they dwell in the same house, so they're dwellers. They have the same address. They live in the same house, yet they don't ever talk to each other. There's no trust in the home. There's no peace in the home. These two people have the same address, they live under the same roof, they live in the same house, and they exist in the same room, but there is no communion, there is no relationship, there is no intimacy, there is no conversation, there is no trust, there is no peace in this home, yet they dwell, but they don't experience what is already 
is there available to them, they don't experience it. Does that make sense? And here's another couple that dwell. They have the same address. They live in the same place. And yet they trust each other. They love each other. They have, there, there's peace in the home. There's rest in the home. There is trust in the home. These two people sit and have conversation together. They talk together. They're best friends. They love each other. They dwell. That's the dwelling that I'm talking about. You with me? That's the dwelling. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will, what's that word? Rest in the shadow. Rest in the shadow of who? Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We're not talking about just some, some shadow here. We're talking about resting in the shadow of the Almighty. When we were at the beach... I had Judah one day, and we were all hanging out down at the beach, and I had Judah, and I was holding, I was holding him uh, against my chest, and I was kind of letting him look at the world as we walked down the beach, but I had him, and I was holding him here, and as I looked, and, and I even mentioned this to Nikki, as I looked, I saw that I was casting a shadow, a, a huge shadow on the beach. Do not comment to that. I was casting a shadow, a big shadow on the beach, and, but, but there was something that, that was missing. You could not see Judah's shadow anywhere. His shadow was not there. He was not there. It was as, as if he was not even there, yet he was there because he was with me. I was holding him. You couldn't see him. If you're looking, you see my shadow. You don't see his shadow. And what God is saying is when you stay, when you move up close to me, when you're walking in close to me, what I want you to know is, 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 that you are in my shadow. Now, if I were to take Judah and hold him here, if I would have held him here, if I would have held him here away from me at a distance, you would have been able to see his shadow, but because he was close. And our Father is inviting us up close. Through Jesus Christ, we've been placed up close. Okay? Through Jesus, we've already been placed up close, but you can be placed up close and not experience the blessings of being up close. And what he wants us to do is experience the beauty and the blessings of being up close where he is. The beauty of grace. There was a time, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever experienced burnout in life? Anybody ever experienced burnout? Raise your hand if you've experienced burnout in life. Okay, uh, we had a 12-year-old back here that raised their hand. Yeah, and... I'm kidding. I'm pointing to a spot where nobody's sitting. Um, if, if you live long enough, you will experience some sort of burnout. And, and there is this moment when people call it the uh, midlife crisis or whatever. But if... If you live long enough, you could possibly experience some. But, but I'm going to help you with something today because some of you that may have not experienced it yet, I'm going to tell you how you don't ever have to experience it. Okay? But for some of you who have experienced it, I'm going to tell you how to never experience it again. See, as a, as a, as a young man, 30, when I was 29 years old, I, I, I started pastoring a church that was about 80 people. 
Now, of course, we know that any church, um, when you have that many people, uh, just like, like this church right now, if you look around, there are several empty seats. But if you were to take the three services and put them together and then all the people who are going on a mission trip and then all the people who are a part of Harvest that only come in about once a month, which is you know kind of the way it goes, and, and maybe twice a month, um, if you put all of them together, we couldn't get them in... Um, we, we couldn't get them in, a, in the uh, UT football stadium. But, but um, in this church, there were 80 people strong. So when I started, I was excited. I, I was a young man. I was eager to get in there and, and make it happen. I had read all the church growth books. Um, I loved the Lord. I wanted to see his church grow and be blessed. So th- that was kind of where I was. Now, that was my job. Some of, you need, some of you may not relate to the pastoral part of the story that I'm going to share with you, but you will relate to other parts of the story because that was my job, and you can relate that to back to your job. Does that make sense? And so I, I was eager. I was... I had some things messed up in my head uh, uh, with with understanding because in my mind I had I had I, I thought that being spiritual was burning out. I thought that that just just going at it 900 miles an hour, saying yes to every invitation, doing everything. I thought that was spiritual, and therefore I wanted to be spiritual, so I had to do those things. And and so I started in. I, I stepped into a church with 80 people that had a paradigm set. And that model paradigm, that model was that the pastor did everything. So the pastor did all the visitation. The pastor visited all the new people at home. The pastor visited all the everybody at home. The pastor visited all, did all the hospital visitation. If you needed your toenails clipped and you wasn't sure where the clippers were, you call the pastor. He would bring them to you, tell you how to do that. I did all the counseling that was to be done. And here's the thing I found out about counseling is people say they want counseling, yet they won't do the things that you preach on Sunday morning that you know you're going to turn around and tell them again in counseling. So why do they not just listen to it in the sermon on Sunday rather than have to get a one-on-one? And maybe it's the fact that they don't really want to know what the answer is. Maybe they just want some one-on-one time. They want to be special, special time. I, I don't know what the answer is, but let's just pretend I didn't say any of that. So here we are. So here we are with 80 people, and, and it's, it's, it, was, it was possible. I was able to do all those things with 80 people, but it began to get more difficult at 100, and then it began to get more difficult at 200, and then it began to get more difficult at 300. And now the expectation is set. The paradigm has not changed. The paradigm is the pastor does everything, and now I'm going crazy. At home, I have three small children. I have a young wife. And my my children still need a daddy, and my wife still needs a husband, and the church needs a good education. Because and this is nothing against the church. It's it was it's the model, the paradigm that most churches around here use. It was not anything different than the church down the road or the other one down the road. The problem is is that most churches don't grow. 
The problem is that most of them stay at about 70 or 80, and so they never have a problem trading off a pastor every few years, bringing them in. Nothing ever happens. But when a church grows, the paradigm doesn't work anymore. You will either break the paradigm and bring in something new, or you will break the man. And it was the man that broke. Now, I've been through two burnouts, two serious burnouts in my life. The one I'm telling you about is the first one. I won't tell you about the second one. I will do that at another time. The second one was much more severe, and the repercussions were much more severe. But I will tell you about <clears throat> this, this, this first one. I'm in my mid-30s. I can't keep up. I'm a people pleaser. I was then. I'm not now. I love you, but I don't care if you please with me or not. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I really don't mean that in a bad way. I don't. I care. I care. But uh, here's, here's what I learned. Back then, I equated whether I was doing it right by what people were saying. I wanted to be loved. I was a lover. When I got saved, I, was a, I became a lover, and I wanted to be loved. And I found out that there's some people going to hate you. They don't even know why they hate you, but they hate you. And so I began to drive myself crazy trying to get my haters to love me. And it wasn't working. And I was doing all the hospital visitation, and there were times like, and, then, and, and I don't know where this came from, but, but we got this thing going on around here where you had to, the pastor had to be at every surgery. It was almost, you would not survive a surgery unless the pastor, not the deacon. If you wanted to survive surgery that day, the pastor had to show up at 6 o'clock that morning and pray for you. He couldn't pray from home. He couldn't send a deacon because everybody knows deacons don't pray. God doesn't hear a deacon's prayers. He only hears pastor's prayers. He doesn't even hear your prayers. You've got to be a pastor. We're professional prayers. Didn't you know that? If you don't believe that we're professional players, you go to any event. They smell out pastors a mile away. I can try to hide somewhere. And when it comes time to pray for something, we're going to pray for the meal. Uh, Brother Bud, Pastor Bud, where's the pastor at? I mean, you're in a little league game. You're there, ball cap on, incognito. They're going to pray. Uh, pastor Bud, where's pastor, the professional prayer? We need the professional prayer. Oh, felt so good to get that. <laughs> so, so I, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm running crazy. I'm just absolutely running crazy. There's somebody at the hospital over here, and there's somebody over here. And I hadn't run into this with 80 people, but now I'm at, at, we're at 300, 350 people, and now I'm running into this. And there's two, there's somebody at Holson Valley Hospital, there's somebody at Indian Path Hospital, there's somebody at somewhere else, and they're all having, they're all church members and all having prayer at the same time. And I can only be at one place. And I do know, I know, I know some of those people. And I, and there were a lot of loving people, but there were a few people that, man, if I don't show up at their place, they're going to be haters. And so now I realize I can't be the pleaser that I want to be because I can't be everywhere at once. And I'm and I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm trying to be the best daddy I can be and I feel like I'm failing. I'm trying to be the best husband I can be and I feel like I'm failing. I'm trying to be the best pastor I can be and I feel like I'm failing and I am burning out. 
And in those moments of, of burnout before I would, I would begin to sense myself getting spiritually dehydrated and I would run to the spiritual hospital for a spiritual IV to get me going. And then I would run back into the busyness and hecticness and, 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 and I became a visitor of the shelter of God. See, life in busyness has a way of putting a lot of space in between us and our relationship with the Lord. Hectic, busy, and before you know it, you're just doing stuff. And you don't realize how far away you're drifting in your personal relationship. You don't realize how dependent you're becoming on people and things and money and the things of this world rather than your dependence on God for the things that you need until you just kind of wonder and you wonder and you want, and now we're not, now we're just really not dwelling. Now just kind of out here somewhere until something goes wrong and then we run back in for a visit. Oh Lord, I, I, I need, I, I need, I need to help me, help me, help me. My, 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 my world's falling apart. And what God is trying to say is when you become a dweller, what I want you to know, when you become a dweller, I'm going to help you in your world. You don't have to get to the fall apart stage and into such a desperate stage if you begin to learn to be a dweller because you understand that He is always there. He is always protecting. He is always directing. He will be there. It's the dwelling part that is so vitally important. I was burning at both ends. It was like nothing mattered anymore. I was studying for sermons, but I wasn't putting the word in me. Is, is it okay if I tell this story or you want me to just go preach something else? Okay, four of you. Four of you want to hear it. The rest of you are dismissed. I'll go ahead and... See, here's the difference sometimes in me and you, and, 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 and grab this. I was a pastor. I had to be in the Word, or I would have nothing to preach on Sundays. You listen? I had, but you can prepare sermons and not feed your soul. Is anybody tracking with me? Because I can come in like a mother bird and I can swoop down and I can grab up a worm and not ever just really let that worm bring nutrition in my own body. I just swoop it, swoop down, grab that worm, fly in here and spit it out to feed you guys. But it never has a chance to get down inside to do what it does to bring the nutrition, the spiritual nutrition in my own body. Does that make sense? The difference is, I think, is I was studying the, in the Sundays. Oh, how many of you know how often Sundays come? Does anybody know how often Sundays come? Jeremy, they come every Sunday. They, I mean, they come every Sunday. It's not like there's a moment on a Saturday that I'm, that I'm saying, you know what, it is so cool, this week does not have a Sunday. I've got two weeks to prepare this sermon. It never happens, no. Sundays always follow Saturdays. And then Mondays, every pastor hates the world. It's just like Mondays you wake up and it's just like, oh. 
Okay, you'd have to be a pastor to understand that one. Just forget I said it. And, but I'm not putting the word in me. Now, here's the difference. I had to, you don't. Therefore, you may not even read the word of God. Or I was reading it because I had to teach. But you don't have to teach sometimes, so you may not even read. Mabel, let me think about that. You know what I'm saying? I can't go a whole week without being in the Word because Sunday's coming. You can. You can go a week. You can go two weeks. You can go three weeks. And if you do well, you'll convince yourself sooner or later that you don't even have to read it because I'm going to preach a sermon when you get in here on Sunday morning. And and if you have emaciated yourself to the point that you can survive on one little bit of word once a week, then you may be okay. But if you want to learn, if you want to grow, if you want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, you got to get the Word of God in you. It's just got to get there. So I was burning, burning. And I remember a place, I I read books. I read books about uh, how to overcome burnout. This message is is for, there's some specific, there's some of you here today that are right in the spot of what I'm talking about and that you really need this. Okay, some of you have been there. Some of you are not there yet. But there, there are a few people here today that are at this stage that I'm talking about. You're right at this, this burnout stage. You're, you're not enjoying life anymore. You're just getting up and you're going through the motions. You kiss your wife, there's nothing behind it. You pat your kids on the head, you you hug them, but there's nothing there. It's just empty. You go to your work and you do your job, but you're just empty. You're just going on fumes and you're just barely surviving. And, And I'm talking to you today, okay? I'm talking to you. There is a place where there is a fountain that never stops running. There is a place where you never go through spiritual dehydration. There is a place. Nobody that learns to dwell burns out. When I learned to dwell, I have never even come close to burning out. And I've been busier probably in the last 10 years of my life than I have ever been in my life. But I learned to dwell. And nobody that dwells burns out. There's some reasons for that. It's because you're listening to the Lord. You realize you don't have to do everything everybody wants you to do. All you have to do is what he tells you to do. And you're going to learn that you're going to be saying no a whole lot more often. Now, you don't ever say no when we ask you to serve here at the church. You say no. <laughs> you say no to other things, okay? That, I think that was right straight. I, I, that's, I, that one just came. I, I... No, I will tell you. I will tell you. Churches, churches have absolutely killed people. Churches have killed people. They've killed preachers. They've killed, uh, the, I mean, they just killed. So here I was in burnout, and I was blaming the church. And I was blaming God. See, I would never even, I would never even think about compromising the word. At, you know, I, I, it was like, Lord, I'm going to, 
I, I'm a people pleaser here. I want I want to please people, but I won't compromise your word, which meant I'm going to do what you say, but it, but on the inside, I'm going to live my life with a broken heart because they're just going to people not like you. And so I was burning. And, and there was a moment in time when the Lord began to speak to me, but I didn't learn this. I was still just visiting. Are you, are you tracking with me? Is anybody still with me? I was still just running in. I wasn't a dweller. I was visiting. I hadn't learned to dwell. I would run in and visit. And on my visitation, I would pray, help me prayers. Oh, God, help me. They're killing me. What Can't you do something with these people? I felt like Moses at times. God, Moses, I'm going to kill these people. Moses says, no, God, don't. And then Moses says, God, kill these people. And God said, no, I won't. I'm just glad they never both got on the same page at the same time, aren't you? There was a point where I would run to visit it would, it would read, what I was doing would read kind of like this. Whoever visits the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, in my God, or a God, in whom I sometimes trust. Do you sometimes trust Him? Because here's the key to the dwelling. The key to the whole dwelling thing is trusting By the grace of God, you're already in Him and He's in you. By the grace of God, the door to the shelter, the door to the secret place is wide open and you're already sitting there, but are you experiencing what you can experience in being there? Because all of this is contingent upon you being a dweller, not a visitor. And there's no physical location. Have you ever made the comment, I just feel, I just wish I could stay in church all the time because I just feel so peaceful at church. And then I go back home and then I go back to work and there's no peace anymore. Let me tell you something. See, that's a visitor, a dweller, a dweller discovers something that comes from the inside that says somehow, some way in the midst of chaos, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of everything going on out here, somehow, some way that there is a, there's a peace coming up out of, out of me. Some way there, there's something inside of me that is causing me to be able to rest in a world that is at so unrest. Does that make sense? The secret place. You, you just, move up to a place in your spirit, in your heart where what's going on inside of you how many of you have ever experienced a, a pull from in here saying Maybe maybe there are no words, but you just felt this unction that you just needed to spend time with God. Has anybody ever done that? 
you felt this unction, something inside of you, you just felt like you needed to get away. You needed to go to the woods. You needed to go somewhere, but you just needed to get alone. That's the Holy Spirit. That, that's, the, that's the way He works the secret place. He's saying, come on. See, I know what you don't know. I know that you don't know what's around the corner. I know that you don't know that there's a trap set by the enemy for you. I know that you don't know there's a pestilence coming. I know that you don't know that there is trouble over here. I know that you don't know, nor can you see the arrows yet. But what I want you to know is if you will sit, if you will be, if you will experience, if you will saturate, if you will dwell in the secret place, I will tell you things that you can't know any other way. I will deliver you from the fowler's snare. Read it. I will send my angels to take care of you. I will so protect you that you will not fear when the arrow comes and the pestilence come because I am your God and you're living with me in the secret place. And there's something about secret place people. They, they, seem, they, they seem off. There's something off about secret place people, about dwellers. There's something off about them. Because you see, we live in a world today where complaining is the norm. We live in a world today where worrying is the norm. And if you don't worry, people don't think you love. Bud, do you, are you worried about your children? No, I'm not worried about them. Well, don't you love them? Yes, I love them. But here's what I've discovered. <laughs> when you get in the secret place, you discover that there's one so much bigger than you that you can trust them into your hands because I can't always be there. I can't follow them around. I can't always, I can track them on Friends Finder, but I can't always be where they are. Oops. But God has invited us. I sat in my I sat in my little Ford truck at a park and I said God I don't want to do this anymore during that first burnout stage I don't want to be a pastor anymore I'm starting to not like people and it's not like me I feel used and abused I'm not a good dad to my kids anymore. I'm not a good husband. When the phone rings, I jump out of my skin. I don't want another call. I don't want to have to deal with another problem. I don't want to help another fallen marriage. I don't want to deal with people who really don't want help from God. God, help me. I don't want to do this anymore. The Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me and he said, Bud, you're trying to act like me and you ain't me. I didn't call you to be God. I didn't call you to fix all the problems. I didn't call you to make sure that every single person feels loved. That's my job. I called you to do what I asked you to do. understand what I'm saying some of you are trying to please God by killing yourself do 
doing everything everywhere. That's the reason some of you haven't been able to experience the blessings. And I'm being serious here. You haven't been able to experience the blessing of serving in a body, in a local body like this because you're so you're strung out and so busy everywhere else. There's no time left. And yet God says, it's my body. I've called you. I've gifted you. I've blessed you. I want you. As I sat there in that, in, in that little truck, looking out over the river, God said, I'm, I don't want you to try to be me. Let me be me. And you be you. Because only then can you love. You got to quit trying to please everybody. And, and he and I had this conversation. When I came out of there, it was like I had said in the hospital, I had experienced a, an infusion, a, a, an IV. And suddenly this, this spiritually dehydrated man that was ready to quit on the world. Let me tell you something. It happened again later. And I'll tell you that story sometime that was far worse than this one. I was ready to, I was ready to take my own life in the next one. Because though I got refreshed in this first one I didn't learn some things I didn't become a dweller I was still a visitor and though I had been set free in some ways there were still some things because you see I, I, I still was a pleaser I finally accepted the fact that you may not love me but, but I didn't learn that I can't carry a broken heart when I'm not and so I'd accepted the fact I can't please everybody. I accepted the fact that some people are going to not like you. I accepted the fact that some people are not going to love you. But I had not come to the point to be able to know how to deal with the pain that comes when you're going to do the things that are going to happen anyway. Another burnout would come about five years down the road. Harvest was born at the end of that burnout. You're here today because of my pain. My kids are here today because of Carla's pain. In pain, I gave birth to you. Not just me, some other people. Okay. I so want you to learn how to be a dweller. I so want you to learn how to be a dweller because I learned how. I learned that in the midst of a world of chaos, I learned that in the middle of a room where everybody's talking and a lot of things are going on, that you can be in a, in a communion and conversation with the Lord and nobody even knows it, nobody even sees it. I learned that in the midst of fear moving upon you, you can be at this place where you're saying the words. Did you notice he said, I will say? There's a, pl a place where you learn that what comes out of your mouth has more power to control what, what's happening in your mind than you know. Because when fear begins to come, there are times that you just have to say, I will say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. There's a time when the words have to come out of your mouth. 
And you may be at, at this point of burnout in your life right now where you just don't know where to, which way to turn. I'm telling you, please don't quit. Please don't quit. Please don't give up on life. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up. Because I was this close to give up on all of it. And my life, I can't imagine. I am so, I am so blessed beyond right in, in my life. I just, I can't tell you, but, but I was this close to losing it all. secret place to the secret place the secret place where you can go and you can sit with the Lord and you just have communion and you say Lord I trust you and your emotions are saying no you don't but you're saying with your mouth I trust you Lord and, and the world's telling you you don't trust but inside you're saying I trust you Lord I don't care what everybody else does I trust you I don't care if nobody else trusts you I trust you I am not going to let my life be given to worry and anxiety I'm going to sit in the secret place and I'm going to trust you and when they tell me I've lost my job I'm going to look to you Lord because I trust you you're the one I trust when I get the bad report from the doctor, no, I trust you, Lord. When everything seems to be falling, I trust you, Jesus. And when you learn, I'm closing, when you learn, when you learn, when you find the secret place, the shelter, all day long you're in communion with the Lord all day long it's just a conversation all day long you know by faith his presence all day long to the point let me tell you to the point that you will be so used to talking to him all day long there are going to be moments that you will just start talking and other people are going to wonder what's going on. Will you run to the secret place? Will you go to, will you, what do you mean? Where is it that I run to, Lord? I'm saying that you go to that place in the Lord where you say, God, I trust you. Not sometimes, I trust you. And I will say with my mouth, I trust you. And I believe you. I want to dwell with you in the shelter. I want to be in the shadow of the Almighty. I don't even, I don't, let, me, let me pray for you because I don't know what to do. Holy Spirit, I don't even know the words to use here. I'm trying to convince, but that's not my job. I'm trying to do your job right now. Holy Spirit, you convince. You convince them to dwell in the secret place. Holy Spirit, right now, would you just draw them up close? Would you just give them such a taste of the secret place? Give them such a taste of dwelling. 
they'll never want to leave that. I speak blessing over this entire congregation right now. All of your promises are yes and amen. And you are faithful. You are faithful. Even when we're not faithful, you are faithful. And we don't trust our faithfulness and we're not depending on our faithfulness and we're not depending on our works to be in the secret place. We're depending on you and trusting in you. I give you thanks. Blessings over this entire group of people in Jesus' name. Mm -mm -mm.